Welcome to 1 Samuel chapter 8. This is week 2, day 5 of our look through 1 and 2 Samuel. And this is the day when the people tell Samuel that they want a king. In fact, let me begin by reading what happens in verses 1 to 9. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as judges for Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah. And they served at Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, You are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, Give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. And he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to him, Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will do. Now, an aside before we see some of the lessons here, an aside in these verses is the fact that we often take things personally that we just simply should not. Samuel's sons obviously were at fault here. They weren't following God. And Samuel could have seen this whole thing as being about him, their rejection of him. But he has the advantage of hearing directly from God, and God says, that's not what it's about at all. God says, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. I wonder how many times in my life I act like people are rejecting me when really they're rejecting God. I'd have a lot better attitude if I realize it's more about God and less about me. Just a a lesson that's in these verses. And now as we walk into this, we're going to see that we learn something about having a heart for God in these verses in this chapter from the people, and we learn something about having a heart for God from Samuel. From the people, we learn, watch out for your desires. Why? Because God might give you your desires. And Samuel tells them about that in verse 10. God told him to warn them, so he does. Verse 10, Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. And he said, this is what the king who will reign over you will do. He will take your sons, he'll make them serve with his chariots and horses, and they will run in front of his chariots. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and others to plow his ground and reap his harvest, and still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. Then he'll take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and your vineyards and your olive groves, and he'll give them to his attendants. He'll take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and he'll give it to his officials and his attendants. Your manservants and your maidservants and the best of your cattle and donkeys, he'll take them for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king that you've chosen and the Lord will not answer you on that day. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. And then we will be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and go out before us and fight our battles. Wow. Israel let their desires mold their view of the truth. And you might have noticed there at the end, they wanted to be like all the other nations. Like so many of us, their desires were molded by their jealousies, by their envy, by wanting to be like other people. That's what commercials on TV and radio and on the internet do, by the way. They play on these desires for us to be like somebody else. So I have to buy that thing. I have to have that thing. And they, they wanted a king. 
God said, okay, you can have a king. That king's going to enslave you. He's going to enslave your children. He's going to take your harvest. He's going to take your servants. You're going to cry out. But they still wanted a king. They wouldn't listen to the voice of Samuel. Instead, they listened to the voice of their desires. And there's a great lesson for you and I here in having a heart for God. How do you make your decisions? Is it based on your feelings or is it based on faith? And if you're honest about it, there are times in all of our lives when we base our decisions on our feelings, on our desires, on what we want. And we wonder why God isn't giving us what we want. And we cry for it again and again and again. Is it going to be your desires or God's direction? And Israel serves as a great example of those who got their desires but found great loss in it. Those things that sometimes I most desire for myself, that I selfishly desire, those are things that will ruin my life. And sometimes God allows those desires to be had in your life just so that you can see, just so that I can see that those are things that will ruin my life. Now, the great thing is God has grace. He will restore you from that. And if you've been ruined by your desires, that's not the end of the story. The fact is I can come to God and say, God, I've been ruined by my desires. I need a new life. I want to live for your desires from now on. I've learned that lesson. Keep helping me to learn it again. What you want, what you want is what's best for me, not what I want. You see, the way we're wired, we think of what we want is what's best for us. That's just human nature. But you can see from the Garden of Eden on that it is not best for us. So my desires can ruin my life. We learn that from the people this day about our hearts. Watch out for your desires. Watch out for what you want. Ask God, please mold my desires to be what you want. And then from Samuel, we learn that from the people. From Samuel, we learn, watch out for your opinions. And recognize that God's word may have to override your good opinion. Samuel didn't want them to have a king. He told God why they shouldn't have a king. God agreed with him. (laughs) It's going to ruin their lives. But God said, I'm still going to give them a king. So in verse 21 and 22, when Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. And the Lord answered, listen to them and give them a king. And then Samuel said to the men of Israel, everyone go back to his town. You almost sense Samuel just giving up here. (laughs) I just said, okay, that's it. I can't do anything about it. Samuel thought it was wrong for them to have a king. He was personally involved. They were rejecting his sons as the future leaders of Israel. They were pointing to his failures as a father. But to his credit, his heart accepted God's will instead of forcing his opinion. I don't know if I could have done that, but he did. Because the truth is, Samuel's opinion was logically right, but spiritually wrong. And I've got to accept the fact that sometimes my opinion is logically right, but spiritually wrong. It may make sense from a human perspective to do it this way, but God says, I'm going to do it this way. It may make sense from a human perspective to move to this town and to take that job. But God directs you, no, I want you to move to this town and serve these people. And you say, I'm not going to make enough money, God. That's not the place I should be. But you certainly want to be where God wants you to be not where you want to be. And the logical decision from a human perspective is not always the spiritual decision. Now, why is that true? Well, because logically, I don't know everything. Because logically, there are things in my future that I cannot know if I go to that place. Why is that true? Because there's something greater than logic, and that is relationship, the relationship that I have with God and what he wants to do in my life. And I don't know the future, but God does. 
So the question I have to ask myself, ask you, is when was the last time God's word changed your opinion about something? You thought logically this is what we're going to do, but you read God's word, you heard from God, and God said, no, do this, move here, say this, be this instead. And you said, okay, Lord. If we're going to have an open heart before God, there are going to be many times in life when we do what may not make sense to us, but we know is God's direction in our lives. And maybe God's doing that in your life right now about some business decision, some family decision, some financial decision, some school decision. God is directing in your life. And maybe you think no one else will understand. Maybe you think everyone else will judge me for this. Maybe you think, I don't like to be the kind of person who does things that don't make sense. But the truth of the matter is, there's no better decision than the decision of doing what God wants. That's what Samuel did that day. He decided to let God's word override his opinion. Now let's take a minute, if you talk about having an open heart, to talk to the Lord about having the open heart, because he's the only one that can open our hearts. So Lord, as we pray, we just bring this to you. We ask that you give us an open heart before you. Help us to understand the danger of our desires. That when we want the wrong thing, sometimes wanting it so badly for so long, it will actually come into our lives and maybe ruin our lives. So Lord, help us to realize that what we want is not so important as your will. That what we want is not so important as your direction. And let our desires not overwhelm us. Let our desires not ruin us. Instead, we want to do your will. And Lord, we also bring our opinions to you. And it's our prayer that instead of doing what we always think is right, we do what you direct. Uh, You do work through logic sometimes. You do give us wisdom and opinions. And we thank you that so many times through that logic you work. But there are those times, Lord, when you say, no, it seems, seems you should turn right, but I want you to turn left. And when you make that clear to us through your word, through your people, through your spirit, Lord, give us the faith to follow you, I pray. Let us have that faith today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, next week, we're going to launch into a look at the life of Saul, the man with a troubled heart.